0: So today on TuneFM, we're sitting down with Dr. Wellett Potter, a lecturer here at UNE whose PhD thesis specialised in intellectual property and examines the copyright protection of databases. She has an interest in AI and the challenges that it poses. So today we're talking about how AI is taking over the creative sector. So many people are using generative AI to create artworks, write essays, caption speeches, and various other pieces. But not many people are aware of where these AI are actually pulling their content from. So, generative AI like ChatGPT need to be trained on pre existing works. And recently, the, the Atlantic published a tool that allowed authors to search for their books amongst a training data set for AI called Books3, which contains around 183,000 pirated books, possibly more. So the Australian Society of Authors has responded to this and noted that permission was neither sought nor granted for these books to be used in such a way. And this considered theft has caused outrage amongst authors worldwide. So to get us a bit started, what is your background and what interests you about the intersection of AI and intellectual property?
1: So my background, Ash, is that I did a doctorate here at the University of New England uh, in the law faculty, and the doctorate looked at the copyright implications of digitized databases in this fourth industrial era. And back when I started this PhD, no one was talking about AI. That was how we weren't at that point. But I could see that uh, the AI revolution was coming. I could see that you know, the fourth industrial era was just we're just getting into it, and so the beauty of the, of the doctorate was that the certainly the the law that I examined uh, is now applicable to artificial intelligence in that. Um, but of course, in when I looked at it, it was just applicable to digitised databases. So, uh, so I've had that really interesting grounding, and now I'm watching in fascination alongside the rest of the world in. These incredible technological developments in particularly the, the generative AI sphere. And I'm amazed at the sorts of creations that are being able to be produced through this incredible technology.
0: So, well, what protections are currently in place to protect the intellectual property of creators?
1: So, it's really interesting, um, Ash. We we have our copyright law. Here in Australia, you don't have to register for copyright, whereas if we're in America, you actually have to apply and register. Uh, and the way it works here is that different types of works are protected as as different works. So, for example, if you have a... Uh, a YouTube clip different components of that clip are separately protectable so like if you have like the audio that's protected basically as a musical work if you've got like thumbnail image that's actually like an artwork a a pictorial artwork so it's it's different if you've got um, text to that then the text is actually like a literary work so it's all broken into different categories so that uh, and, and of course there are what is known as the subsistence criteria. So there's actually a special criteria that has to be fulfilled and all of them must be fulfilled for copyright to actually be found in each of those separate components, but each are considered a separate work. So two of the most contentious criteria are that of authorship and originality. And what has certainly come out in the last decade is that a human has to be found to be the author and uh, that might sound really trite, but it's actually a really important point. And we're seeing this uh, certainly with these sorts of uh, generative AI models. Uh, when we try to trace back and distinguish an actual human author, it may well be that the authorship is too far removed for copyright to be found in these works. So it actually might be that copyright uh, does not cannot be found in you know some of these um, generative AI pieces, but. Uh, that's on the actual looking at whether copyright exists in generative AI works. What we are talking about is where the generative AI is getting hold of the data to train it. And it may well be that, and this is what is being alleged certainly uh, here in Australia and overseas, that the generative AI is uh, getting hold of works that are copyright protected and it is using that on, upon which to train the the actual systems. And so that is, that is what is in contention at the moment.
0: So it's training off of these works, but mm. it's not necessarily spitting out content that is identical to these works. So from an intellectual property perspective, has this content actually been stolen?
1: Well, that's a really great point, Ash. Um, so... We've got this notion of what is called a derivative work in intellectual property. And derivative work, it's basically a a newly created work or it's, it's a work that is derived from one or more already existing works. So uh, if we take that definition and apply it to generative AI, we could say that basically generative AI is a platform which creates derivative works. And, of course, uh, in terms of the law, uh the the actual right to prepare a derivative work uh the actual copyright belongs exclusively to the copyright owner of the particular work that you know is taken to produce the derivative work so in that way uh if a work that is copyright protected is used without an owner's permission then uh in that way infringement has occurred so um you know and, and uh making unauthorised adaptations of a work can also be considered a violation of copyright. So in that way, we can say, yeah, that there is a copyright infringement there.
0: So the Atlantic's provided this tool that lets authors search for their content on these databases. Mm. But how can you prove that the AI has actually used that content? Is that something that is possible right now?
1: That's a really good question. And, you know, when this gets to court in terms of litigation, this is going to... Require expert evidence, and there's going to have to be, you know, people who are experts in how AI is trained to be able to, you know, talk to the court about that process. Uh, it, the actual AI itself, as you said, it doesn't produce a copy of what it is taken to be trained on. It actually produces some type of new derivative work in that way. So. Yeah, it's it's we don't know at this point. Uh, for example, OpenAI and the the people who have developed ChatGPT, uh, they have been fairly quiet in recent times about what data they've obtained and where they've uh, where they've obtained it from. In the past, they did admit to using a data set called Books Two. Um, I presume that's a different data set to Books Three. But uh, it's this is the big question. It's like, well where is the data? Where have they sourced it from? Are they sourcing data that's in the public domain, meaning that you know anyone can use it and there isn't any copyright protection, or are they using works in that are in fact copyright protected? And so that's a really, really good question, and expert evidence will have to unfold the answer to that.
0: And I imagine a lot of the people who are running these AI software, they're probably looking for loopholes. There as Well, you know, that's like right. we mentioned before, it's not a, it's a derivative work. It's not a mm. copy. Mm. So maybe that's a loophole they can abuse. In well, a that's,
1: it's interesting, Ash, because uh, in the US, so you've got this notion of originally, like it, when litigation happens, you have to basically go and prove that indeed, yes, a work has been, uh, a, a copyright protected work has indeed been, infringed. But then in the US, they have an exception to infringement, which is known as fair use. Now, uh, here in Australia, we have an exception called fair dealing, and it's a narrower sort of exception. But in the US, fair use is a broader exception. And uh, what may well be found in response to what's going on is that indeed, the, um, the actual output by the generative AI is sufficiently transformative in nature to actually fall under the fair use exception. And so if I had to uh, bet on this or punt on this, I would be saying that that may well be what is found. And uh, I see a, a very interesting parallel here, Ash, to you may recall about a decade ago, there was a lot of litigation in the US uh, about uh, Google Books. And at the time, uh, what happened was that Google were taking books and basically digitizing them. And they had the idea that, you know, the world's collective uh, collection of books could be digitized. Anyone could run a search and find snippets or, or get hold of parts of the book. And the U.S. Authors Guild uh, sued Google and it, there was a very protracted uh, litigation. And what eventually was found there was that indeed the Google Books project basically fell under The transformative use, uh, fair use exception. And so it may well be that a similar sort of finding is made with these generative AI platforms, but we'll have to wait and see.
0: So if that is the case, would that be applicable to Australian authors? Because we've got different copyrights here in Australia to the US. So is true, it gone true. by the, the content or the country?
1: So yes, copy. you're absolutely right. Copyright laws are territorial in nature and there are similarities, but they are all different. So in Australia, I mentioned before, we have this notion of fair dealing, which is this exception to copyright. Uh, and it's significantly narrower than the US fair use exceptions. So there are key elements to fair dealing, and so the court's going to look at the actual purpose of the use. And there are particular categories here in Australia. So they're going to look: does it does generative AI, for example, for under research or study? Uh, if it did, um, then you know it, there would be a, a greater probability of of fair dealing be, to be found. But they're also going to look at the nature of the actual work itself, um, whether it's factual or creative, and factual works are more likely to be favoured over creative works. Um, And then they're going to particularly look at the the amount and the substantiality of what has been taken. So um, in this way, the the, um, most substantial part of a work may not fall under a fair dealing provisions so in that way it's difficult to know without expert evidence from OpenAI as to what they've taken from other works but um you know if it ended up being considered a substantial part of the work then it would likely to be found to be infringing and then finally they're going to also look at the actual effect on the market so in that way if the um the effect of the use on on the actual potential market of the original work is uh Found to be uh, detrimental, then, or if it's going to compete with the original work or even substitute the original work, then it will likely fall outside of fair dealing. So, uh, when we think about a generative AI platform like ChatGPT, a fundamental question then is does it really compete with the potential market of, say, a novel? Like if you want to go read a novel, you're going to go read the novel, aren't you? Whereas mm. with ChatGPT, you might ask it to, um, to provide, say, a, a summary or a synopsis of the novel and, and it would be able to do that. But it's still not really substituting reading that novel. So in that way... It would be interesting to see what a court decided there, but it may well be that it finds that uh, these generative AI platforms do not really substitute or or compete with uh, an original work in that way. And and if that was the finding, then uh, it would fall out, uh, then basically fair dealing would be found. And so, you know, it would fall under that exception. So uh, once again, it's a watch this space situation uh, but it may well be that the fair dealing provisions in Australia do end up playing a significant role in shaping the legal boundaries uh, within the realm of AI generated content. So we'll have to see.
0: Mm. So, because before you mentioned litigation, so mm. do these authors actually have grounds for a lawsuit?
1: Yes. Or- yeah. yeah. No. So uh, what we're seeing certainly in the U.S. at the moment, uh, multiple lawsuits. I know that there was uh, some authors in San Francisco, uh, I think back in July, who certainly were, you know, litigating against uh, ChatGPT. So, yes. Yeah, so certainly, any authors who who feel that their work has, their copyright has been infringed, have the right to certainly litigate. Uh, but of course, litigation is so very costly. And so we'll we'll have to wait and see how it goes. And I know the Authors Guild. Uh, I think last week in the US, have also just commenced litigation. So we'll wait and see what happens.
0: There's a, there's a lot happening in this space. Then
1: there is there really yeah. is. It's uh, I always say that there's a, a show me the money factor to this. So to to the, any litigation. So you know these these authors are upset uh, that. Potentially, their rights have been infringed here, and so it's up to the court to uh, adjudicate that.
0: Mm. So how does the law have to evolve to keep up with AI? Because it's such a rapidly changing technology, and we've seen with other technology that the law is always, you know, five, ten years behind.
1: That's... The million-dollar question, yeah. It's like how does the law – it's almost – I mean, there have been suggestions that we almost need to create some sort of new right uh, that specifically deals with, with the AI sort of content. I know in the European Union they're very, very close to releasing an artificial intelligence um basically right or law so we'll have to see what the developments are with them in australia i know that certainly there the government is starting to look at this and develop new policies with regard to artificial intelligence but it almost tears up the rule book what i love about copyright is it's it's how ten- tenacious it's been uh, throughout the centuries because the laws that we have are grounded in you know laws from 200 years ago so it's quite phenomenal when you think about the tenacity of copyright law but we almost get to the point now with artificial intelligence that we have to say well is it time for us to do something radically different so yeah wait we'll have to wait and see
0: is it possible to be proactive when it comes to laws? Because my understanding is that a lot of laws that we have have been put in place in response to situations. So can we look ahead and go, well, this is the technology we have, like AI, these are the issues that could come of it. Mm. Is that too complex for, yeah, for law to put into place?
1: So that's a great question. Now. So, well, firstly, yes, the laws can be proactive very much and, and legislation, particularly acts, can uh, certainly anticipate for the future but of course the problem for AI and this sort of technology is that we really don't know what is going to unfold within the next five to ten years so it becomes very difficult. We we always have to be very careful when legislation is drafted to ensure that the language used is to some extent neutral so that it can be that then in the common law can then be interpreted but it becomes very difficult with the sort of technology that's coming out to even anticipate where it's going and what it's going to do so how do you then go ahead and try and legislate for that so that's that's one of the big challenges here we just don't know and like you said uh it becomes a problem in the context of this technology because by the time you've legislated for it the, the cat's out of the bag and the horses bolted from the stable so things have already gone off and and this is also a, a great concern with regard to ai safety as well mm. and there are a lot of uh, experts and uh, around the world who are very concerned about the developments in ai and the fact that there hasn't been sufficient policy or a grounding in policy with regard to the safety of artificial intelligence
0: so, from your experience in this field, what do you foresee happening with law in the AI in the next two to three years?
1: Well, that's a very good question. I look. I think, with regard to what's going on with this litigation, there'll obviously be uh, a ruling one way or the other, and there'll be some type of um, finding there that w- that will help to shape where we go from from there. Uh, I see. With the law of copyright itself, the, the law of copyright tends to be quite slow moving. Here in Australia for over a decade there's been talk of uh, introducing a fair use style mm. of exception rather than the fair dealing provision that we have at the moment. Um, so we'll see. Perhaps there'll be some movement with that. Uh, with our government, it's more likely that there'll be some policy that's handed down or you know released to do with uh, perhaps safety uh Issues with AI, so we'll have to we'll have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, mm. well, thank you so much for coming
1: on and sharing
0: all of this. I hope a lot of people have learnt more. I've certainly learnt more, a bit more about how AI intersects with the law because I was not certain, um, and I hope our listeners have as well.
1: Thank you so much, Ash. It's been a pleasure.
0: It's been brilliant. Thank you.
1: Thank you.